Good morning, everybody. Great to be with you this morning. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here. And our beloved lead pastor, Pastor Tim Park, is preparing right now to run the Boston Marathon tomorrow morning. So, yes, we'll miss him, but we're sure that he'll do wonderful tomorrow morning on his race. Um, thank you, too, for watching the uh, video that just played as we begin this new sermon series about the church. And um, for everyone who's here, even if you couldn't um, see the words, I just want to read those to you briefly. It says... We go there every week, but it's more than a place. We call ourselves by its name, but it is much bigger than us. In fact, no single word can explain it fully, and no metaphor alone captures it. Yet, since the time of the apostles, believers have strived with God's strength to make it everything Jesus promised it would be, the church, nature, purpose, function. And I'm looking forward to this new sermon series with you. And so before we look at our first passage that we'll consider over the next few weeks, will you join me in a word of prayer? We'll just invite the Lord to guide us in our reading of his word. So let's bow our heads together. Dear God, thank you so much for salvation that we sang about this morning. That is a sweet sounding word to us, Lord, because we need it. Our world is so far from the way it should be, God. And we thank you that you have rescued us, that you have sent your son into the world to live, to die, and to rise again so that we could be reunited with you, Lord, and reunited with the life that we were designed to live. And so, God, this morning, we just ask for your help as we read some passages of Scripture, Lord, that you would bring us closer even now to the life you designed for us to live, even as we're still here, God, that you would breathe your contentment and joy and satisfaction of knowing you, Lord, and walking with you into our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was growing up, at some point, I realized that my mother did not give me very good haircuts. She didn't know how to cut hair, but she, you know, she just bought the scissors and the razor thing from the store, and then just went for it. And that didn't matter for most of my life. It was perfectly fine until I was like maybe 10 years old or so. And I started to realize that my hair didn't look very good. And so I decided that I would just cut my own hair. How hard could it be? So I took the scissors myself, and I went to town on my hair. But when I looked in the mirror afterwards at my creation... I realized that it's not as easy to cut hair as, uh, as I thought it was, to say the least. So, a little afraid now, because I didn't even ask permission, I got on my skateboard and rode several miles to a barber shop and paid for my first genuine haircut from a, from a barber. And um, the, uh, the lady who cut my hair, you know, she had scissors that looked a lot like mine and a razor Thing. But the reason I was so grateful to be there and have the mess on top of my head resurrected somehow was that she knew how to use them, and I didn't. I was clueless. And I, I share this story because I think something similar can happen when it comes to the topic of our spiritual gifts. 
Perhaps you've heard at some point that as a follower of Jesus, you have at least one spiritual gift, an ability that God has given you to serve and build up the community of faith where he's put you. And yet we don't often talk about how to use those gifts, how to use them well. And the good news is that the Bible doesn't just tell us that we are gifted to serve in the body of Christ, but also tells us how to use those gifts. And one of the things it tells us is to use them with humility, to not over-exaggerate the importance of our gift or gifts that God has given us, to realize that our gift, though important, is not the end-all and be-all of our spiritual growth or of the spiritual growth of our church. That as important as our spiritual gift is, it is just one gift or multiple gifts of a wide diversity of gifted people who God has brought together, who when they come together and humbly serve and use their gifts, that's when they grow. And so the Bible would warn us to fight the temptation to think that, for example, if your gift is the gift of serving, there's so many incredible ways to serve, to have your whole attitude towards how you relate to a community of faith revolve around your gift, whether you're feeling recognized for how you use it or being given enough opportunities to use it getting jealous when someone else gets recognition for using it when you don't feel like you're getting as much recognition as you feel like you need. The Bible would say, actually, reconsider just how important you think your gift is and realize that it's one part of many that are all important and let that strike humility in your heart and come together and humbly use your gift in a community of faith, and watch what God does. We're going to start in a passage in Romans chapter 12. So you could turn to Romans chapter 12, or just read along on the screen behind me there. And we'll start reading in verse 3 of Romans 12. We'll come back to verse 1 in a little while, but as we start reading in verse 3, see if you can hear for yourself how God wants us to use our spiritual gifts with humility. He says this, starting in verse 3. He says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each and each member belongs to all the others. So in this paragraph, which is all about using your spiritual gifts, which will become even more clear as we continue reading the paragraph. The first thing Paul says is, be humble about how you use your gifts. Or in his words, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But, he says, rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In other words, have a realistic understanding 
of what your spiritual gifts are and the part that they play in the whole. They're not the whole. They just play a part. How do we know that? Because he goes on. He says, in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though we are many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So be humble, because you're just one part of a diversified body that has lots of different gifts that all need and depend on each other for their spiritual growth. And let that reality humble you. Oh, it's such a beautiful, humbling thought. I, I, had, I was blessed by that thought this morning when I felt a little nervous about preaching. I thought, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for this message. And I remembered, hey, I'm not that important. And it felt really nice. I was watching a, a what's it called, Ultimate Fighting UFC, yeah, UFC fight uh, uh, just a few days ago. I, was, I walked by, a couple of my friends were watching this UFC fight. And, um, and I got sucked into it. It was two women fighting in a cage. Yeah. And, you know, it was intense. Like, they're punching each other and kicking each other and wrestling on the floor. And I could not look away. I was just, like, sucked into it, you know. And finally, you know, one of them won. And they, like, hold her arm up. And I don't know if it was just the way... The YouTube video was edited, but it looked like they just immediately ran up to her with a microphone and were like, what do you have to say for yourself? And here she is like panting, like completely out of breath, covered in sweat and blood, and she starts giving this speech. And she immediately just begins thanking people. And the first people she thanks, she's just like, thanks for coming here to watch me fight, everybody. Like she was stoked that all these people had showed up to watch her. And then she just started naming people who had helped her to get to where she was in fighting. And remember, she named one person in particular. I don't know their name. But she said, I would not be here without you. Thank you for training me and working with me and pushing me so that I could make it to this day. And even though I had just watched two women beat each other, I was touched. <laughs> it was, I got like kind of moved. And it just, it just felt right that she was so grateful and, and wasn't gloating or making this victory all about her. And I mention that because, you know, I think if for some reason we were given the opportunity to give a speech reflecting back on our own spiritual journey, I think if we did that, I think our speech would sound similar to hers. And hey, the Apostle Paul refers to our faith as a fight, right? So there's a connection there. But I think, I don't think we would stand there looking back on our journey with Christ and say, I am so glad that I worked hard at using my incredible gifts to get where I am today. I don't think so. I think we would stand there and say something like, by God's grace, he put gifted believers in my life who loved, served, and built me up so that I could grow spiritually. 
In fact, now that I think about it, we might say it was someone with a gift of evangelism who invited me to a Bible study, a lonely college kid. And someone there with the gift of teaching explained the gospel to me in a way that was so rich and clear to me. And I believed. And over the course of my life, God surrounded me with a community of faith, of people who showed me mercy when my heart was broken and I felt alone. People who encouraged me when I needed encouragement, who generously gave to me when I needed money because I couldn't make my rent. And looking back over the course of my life, I can say thank you, God, for filling your people with your presence and giving them these channels of your grace in all their various forms. Because over time, I learned and I grew and I understood who you are and what you have for me better, Jesus. I think that's a little closer to what our speech would sound like on that day. And all, all the Apostle Paul is doing here as he begins telling us how to use our gifts is just reminding us of that fact. Reminding us that our spiritual growth doesn't hinge on us alone. Even though we're gifted. And even though our gift is important. It's just one of lots of different gifts that God has distributed according to his sovereign will among his people, and we are interdependent on each other, just like a body needs each and every little part if it's going to grow and move and thrive. I chose this passage to kick off the series because he talks, you know, he refers to us as a body. And one of the things that we want to talk about in the series is the nature of the church. And one way that the Bible describes the nature of the church or what the church is, is with a series of metaphors, including the body. But it uses lots of, of metaphors. You've probably heard some of them as you've read through Scripture. It refers to us as a family of believers. It refers to us as the bride of Christ. It refers to us as branches on a vine and the list goes on. In other words, no single metaphor explains everything there is to, to, a, to a, the church. But when you look at each of them and study them and think about them, you begin to have a more full and full picture of what it means to belong to a spiritual community of faith. A community that we might define as a community of all true believers in Jesus Christ for all time. Meaning anyone who has ever lived, who has been a follower, a believer in the God of the Bible, is part of the church. And we say it's a place we go to every week, but it's so much more than just a place. And we know that. And we call ourselves its name. We say, this is my church. This is the church I go to. And yet, it's so much bigger than us. That's true. It's a local gathering of believers in Jesus. 
But we know that it includes so many more people than the few humble saints who gather in this room. That it includes not only people all over the earth, but it includes people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so many more saints who we haven't yet even had the pleasure to meet. And so, in this metaphor, where he calls us the body, of course, the main thrust of the passage is using our spiritual gifts in light of the fact that we are similar to a body. And he says, use them with humility, but use them. Don't neglect them. Don't be apathetic with them. But instead, he says, consistently, persistently, use whatever gift that God has given you. And that sounds pretty obvious, but how often do we not do that? How often do we read about the spiritual gifts in the Bible or hear about the spiritual gifts that God has given every believer to use to build up the body of Christ, and then we just kind of go, well, anyway, back to life as I was living it. Back to being too busy or, or too disinterested to actually diligently use my spiritual gifts. And so what we're about to see is that Paul says, overcome that temptation and use them. Which is a good idea because when God gives you a gift, he gives it to you for a reason. When, when God gives you a gift, he has a purpose and a plan in mind for how he wants you to use that gift. And if you don't use it, if you take it for granted, or if you're apathetic or disinterested, you will not accomplish or see the incredible, amazing plan, purpose, design that he had in mind when he gave you that gift. Let's read the next verse here in this paragraph. It starts in verse 6. And as we read starting here in verse 6, see if you can see the second thing Paul tells us about using our gifts is to use them. <laughs> he says this in verse 6. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So first he told us to be humble, and then he says, he lists a whole bunch of different gifts. And he, in so many words, says, if this is your gift, do it. If this is your gift, do it. If this, he's more poetic than that. But if you look at a commentary, they'll tell you that the point he's trying to make, he's not trying to give you an exhaustive list of all the gifts. He's just trying to say whatever your gift is, fill in the blank. Do it. And what an important reminder for people like you and me who can be so apathetic about even the most important things in life. He says, don't be apathetic. Not only do it, but do it cheerfully, faithfully, with the full measure of faith that God has given you to do it. 
do it with all your heart. And we would do well to hear him and see the blessing that comes when we don't ignore but use the gift that God himself has given us for his incredible purposes to build up the body of Christ. I was meeting in that room uh, right there behind those three windows a couple weeks ago um, with a life group at this church. And in our meeting, one person in the group shared an update with us. In our group, we like to invite someone each meeting to take five or ten minutes to just share about what's going on in their life, share the ups, the downs, you know, everything in between. And um, we find that we tend to share a bit deeper, a bit more with the group when we're just kind of given the floor. And so we love it. And a couple weeks ago, this young um, woman in our group, she just shared, shared about her life, shared for five or ten minutes an update. And when she finished sharing, there was like this pause, you know. And then another woman in the group began to just speak these words of encouragement to the young lady who had just shared. And she just said one personal, kind, affirmative statement after another. And she did this for like maybe three or four minutes. I mean, she just kept going and going and going. And, and when she stopped, all of us were kind of like sitting back in our chairs just hearing this, this, this loving encouragement. And I just said, well, you, you, said it, you took all the words out of our mouth. Like we could not have said it better than that. This young woman who had shared the encouragement, I've told her multiple times that I think she has the, the gift of encouragement. But I share this because as this woman was sharing for minutes, just building this person up, encouraging them, loving on them in just a personal, beautiful way, I was getting encouraged. She wasn't even talking to me. But this person who had shared her story, there was things that she was sharing that I related to when she was sharing. She was sharing some of her struggles, and I was thinking to myself, oh, I'm not the only one. Wow, me too. And that alone was already strangely comforting <laughs> that I was suffering with someone else. But then when this person with the gift of encouragement began to build her up, I was getting built up. I was stealing her encouragement. And I share this because I just felt this palpable, believable impression as I listened to this encouragement of God's love for me. I felt so touched the, the, and, and accepted by God. And that was, I, I think it was a couple weeks ago now. Not a day has gone by since that meeting where I haven't relished that encouragement that I heard from this person to this other person, that it hasn't built me up in my faith and my walk with God. This is all going somewhere. After the meeting, I said to the young woman who had shared her update, I said, thank you for being willing to share that with such honesty. And she said, you're welcome. The only reason I shared that was because of what you shared last time. I, 
I, I thought if you could share that, then I could share what I have to share. I was like, oh, that made me feel kind of important, you know? That made me feel kind of touched. And I also wanted to add that that evening someone else, someone in the group came early to roll a table into that room and put a tablecloth over it and set up the cutlery and some water for us to drink. Someone in that group that night brought home-cooked food for us. We had home-cooked Mexican dinner that night for our meeting and chocolate-covered strawberries afterwards. I don't know if those are Mexican. But someone else, I obviously don't have time to tell you the whole story of the evening, but someone else that evening, right before these words of encouragement were shared, shared some powerful words of wisdom and exhortation that were spot on and, and powerful, at least for me. And the point I'm trying to make is that when each of us comes together and plays our unique small part in the body of Christ, just shows up and serves in whatever way that God has gifted us. Those are the type of things that happen. The table is set. The food is prepared. The stories are shared. The word of God is taught. Hearts are encouraged. And the body of Christ is built up. And whenever I come out of a, 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 a gathering like that, a, a meeting like that, that's so powerful and moving, I always think to myself, that's what the church is supposed to be like. Because for years, I don't know if this is relatable, but for years, I just longed for more. For years, I went to Bible study meeting after Bible study meeting, and, I, and all I could think to myself was, there has to be more than this. This can't be it. And I am so blessed to say that nights like that are not unusual for me at this church. That I regularly get to gather with believers in Jesus who share their lives and use their spiritual gifts and build each other up in profound and beautiful ways. And so the Apostle Paul says, don't miss out on that. Don't neglect using your gift because God gave it to you and he gave it to you for a purpose, to build up the body of Christ. And so obey him and see what God does. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and thinking, well, I'm reasonably convinced that God is, is challenging me or calling me through this passage to serve humbly and diligently, but I don't really know how. I don't know what my spiritual gift is. That's not really the thrust of this particular paragraph here. This paragraph is about how to use your spiritual gift. But in case you're wondering, what is my spiritual gift? Um, I, I found this list that Pastor John MacArthur put together of nine steps to, to determine what your spiritual gift is. So if you don't mind, I'll read you nine steps from a, a pastor smarter than me that you might find encouraging, even if you feel like you already have a decent grasp on how God is using you. So listen to these nine steps. Don't worry, they're short, even though there's nine. He says, number one, present yourself as a living sacrifice to God. 
Now, why would he start with that for number one? Has no, that doesn't sound like it has anything to do with spiritual gifts. Well, because of verse 1 of chapter 12. We started reading in verse 3. But verse 3 starts with the word for. In other words, he's building on an idea he's already shared. And that idea starts in verse 1, where he says, In view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. In other words, lay down your life to God. Say, God, I will sacrifice what I want to do in life for whatever you want me to do. Daily, I will be a living sacrifice. My life is yours. And so since that's where Paul starts, that's where John MacArthur starts. He says, surrender your life to God, and then you won't be surprised if when you surrender your your life to God, you find that God is calling you to use your spiritual gifts that he gave you. And so point number two, he says this, know that you are gifted. Why does he say that? Well, again, when we started reading in verse 3, who, who does the Apostle Paul address this message to? If you read it, he says, every one of you. In other words, everybody who gets this letter, all the Christians in Rome, I'm talking to you. And the point is, he's talking to us too. Nobody is left out. If you are a follower of Christ, the Bible teaches you have been given at least one spiritual gift that God wants you to use in your community of faith. So, part two, he says, is know that you are gifted. Number three, he says, pray for wisdom. The Bible teaches us in the book of James to ask God for wisdom about how to persevere in our faith. And so if you want wisdom about how to serve God, how to grow and serve with your gifts, ask God, because he gives generously to those who ask without finding fault, it says. Five, he says, I'm sorry, four, he says, seek nothing. And the point he's trying to make with that is, don't don't try to pick a spiritual gift that you think would be nice to have, because it looks cool, but rather, number five, examine your heart's desires. In other words, consider how God has actually gifted you and wired you, not how you wish he had. Examine your heart's desires. Then he says, number six, seek confirmation. Don't force the issue. In other words, if you start serving or teaching or showing mercy or giving words of wisdom, then you can ask people, is God blessing you through this? Ask the people who tell the truth, those terrible but wonderful friends who won't lie to you. And if they all say, no, I'm sorry, this is not benefiting anyone, then think again. But if they say yes, you might be in the right area. Seventh, he says, look for the blessing of God. So do you see the fruit of your ministry? As you begin to show hospitality or encourage or, or, or just serve in the ways that God puts in front of you, do you see lives being touched and people being built up? Am I in your group constantly telling you that you're gifted, for example? Number eight, serve with your whole heart. 
which is connected to number nine. He says, when you think you begin to see what it is, go for it. In other words, cultivate that gift as it begins to be obvious to you. So as you follow these steps and you feel like you're in the zone of the unique gift or giftings that God has given you, lean into it, grow, cultivate it, be diligent about exercising and practicing it. Don't set it aside and, and, and ignore it. And um, we're ending a little bit early today. 35, wow. <laughs> but I wanted to close with, um, with uh, just a, a story of a gift that I got from my father. Not my heavenly father, just my earthly father. But he gave me a gift when I was a, a young boy, maybe 12 years old, I don't know, on my birthday. And I was kind of surprised because I didn't know he was that thoughtful. But he gave me this gift and, and, I, and I opened it and and I was immediately disappointed because inside, under the wrapping paper, was a tool set, a hammer, screwdrivers, uh, pliers. And I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> and I just put it aside. And then for years after that, I puzzled over that gift. I was like, my dad is the worst gift giver. And I thought, did he just want that for himself? So he gave it to me so he could take it later? Like, what is going on? And for years, I just thought to myself, my dad is the worst gift giver. And then you could probably see where this is going. Because as the years went by, my attitude towards that gift began to change. As the years went by, I started thinking to myself, oh, no. My dad was a great gift giver. And I wished with regret that I hadn't taken the gift for granted. And his words still ring in my ear after I told him how disappointed I was. And he said, I thought that was a really great gift. <laughs> it was. And I wish I had known how valuable it would be to know how to use a hammer and a screwdriver and pliers. And I wish I would have spent time with my dad. I had one. I have one. So many don't. I said, how does this work? What is going on here? And I share that, of course, because I guess my exhortation is, let's not look back on our spiritual lives and regret not using the gifts that our Heavenly Father has given us. Regret saying those don't seem interesting or pressing or valuable to me at the time. So thanks, but no thanks. But let's step out with the faith that he's given us and believe that our Heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts to his children. And let's seek out what those gifts are and use them humbly but diligently to see the body of Christ flourish and grow as one bride temple, branches together on a vine. All right, I'll, I'll close this in a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, thank you for some passages of scripture this morning. We really, we never grow tired, Lord, of your word. 
we could never fathom not wanting to hear what you say to us, God, in part because we just need it so bad. Our old habits die so hard, Lord. We get so distracted with so many good things that just fall short of your will for our lives, which is better, which is, Lord, life renewed, life restored, life the way it was meant to be lived in Christ. And so, God, I thank you again for your word. I thank you, Lord, for nourishing our hearts and our souls with it, not just this morning, but each day of the week. And I do ask that you would fill our hearts, Lord, with gratitude and praise for you even now as we stand in just a moment to sing one last song to you and that you would continue to draw us close to you through your Holy Spirit and through the power of your word this week and beyond, God, so that we can walk more fully with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.